They don't know. They must we don't know. know. They have to. They have to not know. We're too online. Are we? I think I touched grass today. New cars, new cars, new cars. New cars. I mean, you can, but I might make a Star Wars reference. <laughs> that would make my day. I mean, I could literally talk today about how I felt like my entire day was living on some type of like Ferrari schedule of a power unit failing when my battery just kept dying. And then it was like, just kidding, we're going to work. And it's like, just kidding, we're not going to work. So I was like, wow, I don't need to do this. And then suddenly it's like, all the lights are on. I'm having an engine failure. It's like, cool, great. A lot of things aren't communicating properly. And then I just felt there was times where I'm sitting on the side of the road today and yesterday. Um, and I just felt like Carlos when, you know, if he's just sitting on the hill, that is really what I felt like. Um, and then when I was talking to Rich, my new favorite mechanic, I f- felt like I was talking to like a team principal who was like, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. And I'm just like, okay, cool, 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 cool. Great. Great. I'm glad that you informed me of a plan. I just don't know if that plan's going to work. So there were moments today so where things that- post. So things post-California vacation are going great. No, yeah, it's been uh, super awesome. And the world has definitely not been like, let's knock you on your butt to return you to not California. It's like, hey, remember Laguna? You got to walk everywhere and the weather was perfect every day and you recorded a podcast and you got to watch Star Wars and it was like changing your existence. And then you come back and it's your car battery is dead and we're in margate florida and i've eaten dinner at like four o'clock three days in a row it's like super exciting and great Uh, and i only packed like two shirts so i've been wearing the same like recycling of clothes it's great i'm so glad we did laundry before i left because i just took things out of my my suitcase this all is really just how it, it i'm summing up uh this whole experience is just like cool uh that fake life you were living in california definitely a lot better than um getting your car towed being an f1 fan particularly a female f1 fan can often feel exhausting and just not be the most fun Um, i think that could probably describe a lot of the female existence in the world where sometimes things are just harder and less fun because we have to deal with things like what happened in the world of F1 this week. And when I was working on the outline for this week's Gridwalk podcast that you are all now listening to, there are three headline-worthy stories that we could fill an entire show with centered around the continued issue of bigotry and sexism in motorsport. We have the quotes from the FIA's president's website. We have the awful article that was written and approved about The reason the W Series failed is because they didn't hoe out their drivers and sexualize them. And there's a lot of issues with the W Series, but I promise you that's not one. And then we got the first responses to FIA's ban of political messaging without approval, uh, which thankfully were Valtteri and Helmut Marko condemning that. But again, it puts us in the position where these are the three biggest headlines in motorsport right now, and none of them are car launch livery predictions, cars being on track for tire testing, new regulations being rolled out, 
the largest stories in F1 Motorsport this week, the most important stories are the three I mentioned above, and they all deal with a bigger, more serious issue connecting back to why are we still putting such crappy leadership in charge of motorsports as a whole? Because this is an F1 podcast, but the FIA is in charge and runs so many motorsports series. And we're on podcast number two and have led both shows with a negative story about the FIA. And we could probably lead every show going forward with this at the rate we are going. The rate that messaging is being given to us from people in charge, I feel like we're going to have to talk about this every week. And I'm not complaining about that in any way, because this is part of the world we live in. And unfortunately, if we want the world to be better and to one day stop talking about it, we need to keep talking about it now. And that is incredibly important. But I am begging the leadership of F1 and motorsports as a whole to please do better because there are big, exciting things going on in F1 right now. Do better. Let me lead the show talking about those. And instead, I have to condemn the president of the FIA again for some of the worst quotes I have seen in recent history about women. And this is the man in charge of motorsports. So do I sound, I probably sound really exacerbated and that's because I am, I'm tired. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of defending my existence, but I, I'm not going to stop. I think part of, I know part of the reason why Gridwalk was started is because we wanted to continue to contribute to the female voices in this sport. And we wanted to lift up other female fans and give them a place in a community where they felt safe to ask questions and to talk to people. And that's not a unique message that we have. Um, and it, it's one that I am seeing everywhere right now. But things like this just prove why we need to keep pushing forward. Liberty Media and F1 has made a very specific play to grow their sport. And they targeted young fans and female fans and American fans. And those three audiences are not going to put up with this like the old guard F1 fans are. So if these quotes continue to come out, these stories continue to come out, we will continue to talk about them. And I just want to make that clear to everyone in leadership positions or who have a say that these aren't just going to go away. If you continuously choose not to do better or not to put people in leadership positions who are going to be better than this, we will continue to talk about it, complain about it, make noise about it. And we are your creation. You, you cannot... You cannot ask for younger fans, more fans, more passionate fans, more American fans, more female fans. This is what comes with it. Better journalism comes with reaching the American market. Young female fans care, and they care about this. You cannot ask us to give you our money, but then tell us we do not belong. 
there's limited patience with that. We've talked about this clearly off pod before because it's just topic huge in F1 motorsports and just being a female fan in sports. And my first response was I'm almost more upset that I feel not indifferent that this happened, but I was not surprised when these quotes came out and just the reaction to it all. It was almost as upsetting to just be like, yeah, of course, this is what happens. Of course, this is what they're going to say about, you know, it, this, of course, this is his perspective on females at some point in his adult life, you know, recognizing that this was not yesterday, but in his adult life, this was his perspective on females and not even, you know, females as a whole, but particularly targeting quote unquote clever women because, you know, apparently intelligent women are threatening. I don't know. It was just just really upsetting to hear. But then again, not a surprise that this is a male in power. And especially since last week, we were having a discussion about him tweeting and tweeting his feelings and receiving a letter to stop tweeting your feelings. And in a time where it could have maybe been in his best interest, the president of the FIA to tweet something about, hey, I don't feel this way or kind of the cliche tweet that we've now seen from people a bunch of times of my views have changed this, that, anything. He says nothing. The FIA comes out and says, this is not how he currently feels. These comments don't properly reflect his current values. Okay, but where? We don't see, I don't see anything different. I don't see anything different in appointment of leadership. I don't see anything different in regulation of leadership internally. Just overall, I'm not even seeing it from the source. So if you want to make these claims about making a difference in diversity and equity, stop talking and do something. Because like Brianna, I am tired. And the only thing that will make me less tired is if I get to stop complaining about this. And the only way that'll happen is if you do something different. Because I'm also coming from the business brain, marketing brain of money talks. Money talks, that's how things change. That's all of, that's how you make a difference in something, especially in major corporations like this, particularly in sports. So wake up and realize the growth in your fan base the growth in your female fan base and where a ton of money is coming in. I'm sitting here in Formula One merch right now that I've given them my money to because we could walk away and then you could see all of this growth just disappear because if you're not supporting the body mint that is your fans and you're just basically spitting in their face, why should we stick around? I love the point about how just last week the conversation we were having was about him tweeting too much and now he's very silent and like so yeah i would like if you're going to tweet about everything else tweet about this we're not here to say there's been zero change or motion in motorsports but it will constantly be upsetting when the leadership and the people signing off on those decisions are barriers themselves i've been a sports fan my entire life my Philadelphia Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm very excited. Um, go birds. Go birds. And as a female sports fan, I've been told I don't belong my entire life. Because inherently, like, 
I am a female, therefore I must not like sports. Or you don't know anything and it's impossible for you to learn. (gasps) Oh my gosh. What do you mean you understand what, you know, DRS stands for? (laughs) Or maybe measuring fandom isn't a great thing to do because some people like things for different reasons and whatever, like all, all the things that if you, likely if you're listening to this podcast, you know already, but it feels good to say. Um, but as someone, I work in marketing, I work in data in particular in marketing, and I'm a huge sports fan. So something I'm pretty well educated on is the power of the female dollar. And it is a pretty consistent point across every single industry that the people with the purchasing power is women. There's a reason why in every other industry other than sports, you market everything to women because they're the ones who, who spend the money. Um, I, in every industry I've ever worked in, the data supports this. In every research study ever done, the data supports this. Um, and I've done a, a ton of work into looking into the very admittedly limited research done in sports in this. Um, and overall, the consensus is that while female fans in almost every sport make up less than half of the population, they contribute to over 60% of the spending done in that fan base. So besides the emotional aspect of, yeah, it sucks to be told you don't belong, but there's a financial investment here. Liberty was very smart in going after young female fans because that's where the money is. Yeah, hundred. Yeah, it, hey, it's me, hi. I'm the solution, it's me. You're welcome for my money. Now just treat me like a human. I don't think that's a lot to ask. (laughs) The people in charge of the business operations here, there are people in that room who consciously made that decision. And there are people in that room who still know this to be true. We actually just got a quote from the president of Formula One Management um, within the last six months that, all about the rise in the percent of viewership that comes from female fans. I think he says they're up to 44% of viewers are now female, um, which is a huge number, which was a huge increase, and all because of their efforts. I'm going to end a point here with, if you cannot do the right thing because it's the right thing, that's okay. Do the right thing because it's better for the money, please. Because I personally don't care if you do the right thing for a good reason or a bad reason. I just want you to do the right thing. New cars, new cars, new cars, new cars, new cars, new cars, new cars. Nicole, we're getting new cars. We're getting new cars. It is officially February, so it's definitely car launch season. Oh my gosh. Okay, so highlights of car launches. Red Bull and AlphaTauri are doing them from New York City. Specifically, we think AlphaTauri is doing it from New York Fashion Week. For some reason, Alpine, also known as French Pete, is doing theirs from London, which feels like the most missed opportunity I've ever heard in my entire life. You're two French drivers. You should definitely not do your launch in France. Very. Uh Yep. Uh, Aston Martin and McLaren are sharing a day, which just sounds dramatic. Like I can just hear the bickering behind the scenes. Are they also going to share a time? We haven't heard times yet. But Haas has already happened. We've had our first car launch. Nicole. How'd you feel about Haas's car launch? It met my expectations. So Haas tweeted a picture. We expected them to. 
I had kind of talked about that my only hope of Haas doing anything more glitz and glammy was this new MoneyGram sponsor. Hashtag MoneyGram drives you. I'm, that's, I'm just going to say it forever until MoneyGram disappears. But they tweeted out a couple of very wonderful mock-ups of a car. And it is a mostly black car. And nothing gets me as excited like a black livery. It's beautiful. I think you saying that Haas met expectations is actually high praise. I think I said just last week in our first pod that Haas is for some reason the most boring team on the grid. So meeting expectations sounds great. Like they set the expectation right. We knew exactly what was going to happen. Um, I'm sure there'll be, like I predict that one of the two New York City launches is going to 100% not meet expectations. So this might not end up being the worst launch of the 10. Yeah, I think it was a, we expect you to tweet. So if you do that, I'm like, okay. Then the livery was mostly black and the red designs. It was just, you know, bye-bye blue. Here comes the black. It looks really sick for Haas. And again, first launch, no other launch has happened. We are desperate for content. And as I said, I believe they're going first to grab the media by storm because I think that this was after any other car launch. We wouldn't be talking about Haas's not real car, car. This <laughs> I just wish they took it one step further and we also saw the team kits. I feel like if we got the livery and the race suits and the team kits, we would be like, this is great. We don't need a hour long video where the team principal talks about nothingness and this is our year. And that's just me pretending to be the Ferrari launch because of course that's what we're going to hear. Um, but I, I want to be able to say right now that Haas is going to have black race suits because I've they been campaigning. To, right? But- they cannot introduce this, this car, this livery. At, you know what? I say that, but if there's anyone that could do it, it's going to be Haas. They may show up in like full red race suits. <laughs> be like, Ferrari. I would like that. For context here, Nicole looked at my face mid-sentence there when she said, they cannot, and then stopped because I was looking at her like, yeah, they, they 100% would. They, I feel like we're getting very similar race suits to last year, which would be fine. Like, again, meeting expectations. But if it was, like, something more fun, but I'm also just campaigning for every team that is not Ferrari to go with their darker color option. Like, I want the dark green in Aston Martin. If the Mercedes changes from black race suits, I will revolt. I want Red Bull to always be their, like, navy blue. Ferrari's the exception. They're red. Ferrari wears red. That's it. But And even for them, I would like for them to go back to the early 2000s, mid-90s red for Ferrari. Go brighter. Go lighter. I You know, I understand it's, you know, mid-2010s, matte red, and it's, you know dark and broody of we're gonna win and we want to come back but like no you everyone else stay dark although AlphaTauri I guess you gotta stay they gotta do the opposite kind of of Red Bull a little bit with the white on the red and I'm again with the um, white and the navy blue I don't know I would still campaign their navy blue is different than Red Bull's navy blue they the drivers would look better in the darker navy blue that's really the I just, the white race suits, I actually, let me rephrase my statement. 
I am just campaigning for not white race suits. I just don't think they look good. And any other color, you can come in any other color and I'd be like, because, okay, were the Ferrari yellow suits minion-esque? Were they fun to make fun of? Yes. But They're it would have been worse in white. They were so bad. Okay. I honestly am unsure if I agree with you on that because the yellow was so rough. But again, it gives us but the black minion. fireproofs. Right. Okay. And then that was the wonderful bright side of the yellow. I like our lunch season mostly from my POV. Well, one, because new liveries are always fun. But also because I just like to sit there and zoom in and see if we're seeing the the car. Like, and I love car speculation season and all the really smart engineers on Twitter go in and they zoom in and they're like, oh, here's something that's different and this could mean this. And I just, I sit there and I eat that all up. I just want to see, like, did you change where you're, like, the deflection of your rear wing by a millimeter? Tell me, smart people, please. Every time now I think that we get some a picture of a driver in the car there's like the car it's the show car any every zoom twitter basically to this week has looked like anytime taylor swift has dropped a music video or an album except now i'm looking at roll hoops instead of the number 13 so i feel like i'm using a muscle in my brain but now i'm trying to look at aerodynamics instead of lyric references or her sagittarius zodiac sign but so everyone just has their thing and everyone functions the same way. So these are the teams giving us Easter eggs for the season. Nicole, we've entered me sending you six minute voice note part of the season where I'm just like screaming about something someone found on Twitter and how it's going to change the car for six minutes in your messages. Yes, 100 percent. And it's well, in the background, you could see this or we think that this was photoshopped out. And that's why we haven't seen this. Oh, those are my favorite. I was watching the McLaren 24 Days YouTube video that they just put out um, in this like Google partnership where they're doing short videos in the lead up to their launch. And there were very key parts of that video where on the screens there were giant blurs. And I, I was just like, oh, someone's going to break this down for me. I'm so excited. What was the blur? What is behind the blur? What is behind the blur? <laughs> Okay, Nicole, putting you on the spot. At this point, we've only seen the Haas launch. So I want to hear three predictions for car launch season that don't have to do with the car. Interesting. And I'll give you a moment to think about it if you'd like. Oh my God, okay. This is on the spot. So I really, there's no prep in this. We did not discuss this pre-plot, but this is a great question. My first prediction is that the only big talking points that are kind of come out of the Red Bull launch have to do with Daniel Ricciardo. Amazing, because my first prediction is that Daniel Ricciardo will MC the Red Bull launch. I think well, that he will would make host it really enjoyable. So, what? I hope I hope that's the case. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So my second prediction is that in the entire McLaren launch, uh, like stream show, whatever they end up doing, I think Oscar is going to end up saying less than 60 seconds worth of words collectively. And it's just because I think he's new and shy. And But I, I do think that he is 
He's lacked words in content um, overall since he's been announced as a McLaren driver. I think they're going to really lean on Lando. For the Alpine launch, I do not think Pierre or Esteban will say anything about the other besides he's a really great driver. Excited to have him as part of the team. My OLI for this, so like if we were doing four, was gonna be that Pierre and Esteban are not are gonna have like an imaginary ruler between them the whole time. They're not gonna get too close. That's how I said that in words. I was like, what can I say besides like they're not gonna look at each other? Yeah, they're only gonna acknowledge the other by saying he's a great driver. It'll be respectful. It'll be straightforward. But that'll be it. Right. Um, and my third one is that I think the Mercedes car during the launch is going to look like the 2022 car. Hold on. This was about to be not about cars. I, okay. I'll, I'll change my third one. What's your third one? Say you give me a task and then you don't do your task. <laughs> do I want to make a Ferrari prediction or an Aston Martin prediction? Oh, I predict that Aston Martin and McLaren's launches will be within one hour of each other. And I think McLaren will go first, but announce their time second. (laughs) Damn it, because when you just said my third prediction wasn't valid, that's what I had in my head. (laughs) What is going to be? Yes, 100%. I I don't think they're communicating with each other. <laughs> um okay, I'll make then I'll I'll my actual third prediction cuz I can't just say yeah, me too. Will be I'll stay with Aston Martin. I think well over 60% of the Aston Martin launch is going to focus on Fernando Alonso. And I think Lance is going to love that. I think and he's so going to be will Fernando. Right. I think Fernando will be very excited about it. And I think Lance, who I argue just doesn't like to be on camera, is going to think it's wonderful that everyone's going to just focus on Fernando. Mm, close enough. Mohammed bin Salam gave a quote um, in an article with AMUS about how he is predicting another big manufacturer is going to make a play to join the sport in the next week. Um, And a lot of people went, oh, Ford. And I don't think it's Ford because we'll talk about that in a minute. Like Ford is talking about coming in as a sponsor, not as a manufacturer. But this is all in the context of a quote where he's talking about the value of having GM in F1. And he's like, oh, and there's going to be another one. He's setting up a tease. (laughs) He's so, uh, an announcement that there will be an announcement, which Maybe. is my favorite F1. My favorite F1 play is hey, we're gonna have an announcement, and then they make the announcement that there's a date for the announcement, and then there's an announcement. It's infuriating, it is <laughs> the most inefficient way to announce anything. And again, I think it's another set of you know, receiving quotes, and it's like, cool, great. Like, we understand your perspective is really gung-ho about the expansion and, you know, people throwing their hat in the ring and all this stuff. Super cool. You're still not addressing any of the actual concerns that 
the teams are presenting, which are very valid. I just don't know how to speculate on this story. Like, he gave me nothing to work with here, except maybe a new manufacturer, which I guess would be good. Maybe. Tell me more. I kind of just have ended this story with, tell me more, please. Please. (laughs) And then let's move on to talking about other things that are less vague. So, while maybe less vague, Ford is sending influencers to cover the Red Bull car launch in New York City. Allegedly. Sorry. Allegedly. Ford is sending influencers, not Ford influencers, selected influencers to go to the Red Bull launch in New York City on their behalf. Now, Ford not announced as a sponsor, but this is basically announcing them as a sponsor. Because can you think of a reason why Ford would pay to send influencers to an event if they had no financial skin in this game? No. Right. No, I don't. So, yeah, I'm left in a place where either these rumors are wrong and Ford is sending influencers on a trip to New York to do something else, completely detached to the Red Bull event, or there's going to be some big announcement about Ford badging Red Bull power trains. I'm hoping it's the latter. That just sounds really exciting. Like, even though they're not... All, it's just a sponsorship deal. And I've generally been on the record that like sponsorship deals have to do a lot to excite me. But launching your 2023 car in New York City with Ford, which is a historic engine supplier in Formula One, that's exciting. That That is doing enough to get me excited. Yeah, I want Daniel Ricardo's going to like drive into this launch in a... Uh you know, Ford Raptor or like a Ford Bronco and be like, surprise, we're all new here. It's like, I'm not the only new face that you'll see in the paddock. Like, yeah, of course, they're going to throw. It's it's incredible PR across the board of you're going to have Ricardo in like a Ford trucker hat, probably like a Ford bomber jacket. You know, if the Bills didn't lose, there would have been a Bills jersey. But instead, they're going to it's going to be an announcement of a beloved American brand with a beloved Australian fake American face (laughs) and be like, we're here. We're new and we're here. Love us. (laughs) I love that the solution to everything Red Bull pertaining to PR is, I don't know, have, have Daniel ride something. It's like, have Daniel ride a horse, have Daniel ride a motorcycle, have Daniel ride a car in, whatever it is. It's just put the man in a funny outfit on a thing that moves. And everyone just cheers. It's like, yay! The internet was very excited, aka me, was very excited when Red Bull posts <laughs> a TikTok of just Daniel's, Daniel sitting there filming himself with a Red Bull beanie on. And he's just smiling like a goofball. And my brain goes, this is incredible. This is great. This is the, I cannot imagine the shares and engagement and saves that this video got. Because it was He's back home. It's so cute to see Daniel Ricardo, which is why he will be the face to announce for joining the Red Bull family. In my head, Red Bull is a more American team than Haas. I agree, but I think that's because if you ask more Americans, most Americans that I know, if I said to you, have you heard of Red Bull 
or hoss. They'd be like, what's a hoss? And then Red Bull would be like, yeah, it gives you wings. <laughs> and that we call brand recognition. Okay, you have to give me a minute because I need to look up the engagement on this TikTok. I know. I was literally about to go do that. But then I was like, how important? But I'm very curious of the, even the view count difference. Red Bull's TikTok is really all over the place with like view counts and like all the things. But I would say upon looking at this for five minutes, they have, they average about 900,000 views on a TikTok that doesn't completely flop. Um, and this, and they post like three times a week, maybe like that's about the average not, here. Not more. Well, in I'm talking off season as well. Mm-hmm. I think they post more in season. And the Daniel Ricardo TikTok that was posted 11 hours ago at the time of recording this, which by the way, now you can figure out when we record this, already has 700,000 views. So it's basically yeah. hit their average in 12 hours. And I'm um, only like 50% of those. Did you see that Christian Horner finally gave public quotes about the team's opposition to the Andretti saga that we're watching? And it was a beautiful like PowerPoint presentation, basically. Hitting very solid points of the team's perspective and just what they're asking for. I think the greatest power duo in F1, the reason they are counter to each other is because they would be too powerful together. And that is Toto and Christian. And I love that Toto and Christian are working together on something. And of course, the first quotes are like, wow. Like they're, they're so to the point and well, we're, we're talking a lot about the quotes without saying what the quotes are. So if you didn't see the quotes, He basically outlined that they don't personally have a financial incentive for their business, which is the franchise of the teams, to have another team in. And they haven't seen or received any information to prove that the investment that Andretti and Cadillac are putting into the sport is going to help grow the sport in a way that would offset the financial ramifications of adding another sport. Because the way this works is that all the teams divide the pot of money. So adding another team means instead of dividing by 10, we're dividing by 11. And that would mean less money for every individual team. So it's always made a lot of sense to me that if Andretti wants to be an 11th team, they need to come in with a marketing and growth plan that they would put in place that says, hey, us joining as a team, here are all the things we're going to do in order to make sure that we grow the collective pot. And so right now, the teams are saying no, except for the teams that are getting something financially. So Christian in there says we're getting, like the eight teams are opposed to it. So as a reminder, McLaren has a financial relationship already with Andretti and they're, they're friends over in Indy. So there's a financial investment there. And then Alpine would supply engines so they would get additional revenue from this team coming on the grid the eight other teams are like great we're not getting anything except for a couple million dollars which is wild when you talk about sports and i just casually said a couple million dollars yeah but in the the scale of the business it's not enough to offset the potential losses unless andretti 
I hate, I've just sat here and explained all the reasons why Christian horror is right. Like, I know this is podcast too, but to anyone who knows me in real life, like, did, did it just freeze over? Like, yes. This has been a weird day. It's definitely been a weird day. And uh, something else that I think just really stood out of the way Christian's making these statements, and I'm not saying this because Christian made these statements, but I think there's a lot of, when the Andretti name was thrown in the ring of this is who's going to, you know, come in and a lot of talk was, oh, well, we've seen the Andretti family attempt to do this before and it was an utter failure. Or we try, we've seen them, you know, this Michael Andretti tr- tried to come in. Christian Horner is able to phrase this in a way that's like in a very respectful way to the Andretti family, like made, done great things for our sport. He wanted to make it very clear that he it's not coming as a personal attack to the Andretti family because I think a very large part of this was a lot of people just saying they don't want Andretti coming in because we've already seen that it doesn't work. But he presented it in a really good way. And yeah. I think of one of, of you know, not that some team principal's views or team boss's views matter more than others, but he understands his he comes with a lot of power there when he can, you know, be saying how certain people feel there's this thing called the Concord Agreement, which is basically all the teams and FOM and FIA are like, here are the rules and the agreement to all work together for this period of time. Interestingly, the next, uh, this Concord Agreement is up before the 2026 season. So not only in 2026 are we getting new engine regulations, likely new aero regulations, which should be an evolution of these, but um, we're also going to get a new Concord Agreement. And in the last Concord Agreement, they decided, and notably, this was before the boom of F1 interest. They decided in order to expand the grid, any new entrants would need to pay $200 million to join the grid. They also decided at the time to cap the number of possible teams on the grid, but it was basically just putting in a price in place. But that price of $200 million up front was based on the evaluation of the F1 team cost from like the mid 2010s and we're in a completely different place right now like races weren't selling then like they had issues like they the evaluation of f1 is astronomically bigger so the teams are worth so much more and if a team is able to enter the grid for 200 million dollars then that is setting the price for every other franchise on the grid it means that the price of Mercedes can't be $2 billion. They can't evaluate that team at $2 billion because, hey, that team over there is only $200 million. It brings down the value of all of it. And it's just based on an outdated financial evaluation. So what the teams are not saying, the teams are very clearly not saying, we don't want Andretti. They're saying, we don't want another team. And especially not at this price. Like if that price is going to go up, and they want to put the entry fee at a higher price, I think you'll see the team's moods change dramatically because they'll be like, great, that is an evaluation for my financial asset that I can get behind. Which actually connects really well to the conversation we were having last week about the FIA president's quotes about the evaluation of F1 at whole. Copy-paste that conversation here. We're dealing with financial assets that people own. And they do not want to do anything that brings down the value of that asset, which is why we started this conversation talking about Andretti needs to come and prove that they are going to be an asset, that they're going to bring up the overall evaluation of Formula One. 
And it doesn't, like, you can take the name Andretti out of it. Let's just say it wasn't Andretti and there wasn't that emotional tie for fans there. Let's just say GM came in and was like, I want to buy a team. They would be, we would be having the same conversation right now. Uh, great. What are you going to bring to the sport? How are you going to financially invest in it? And hey, by the way, we want more than $200 million. Mohammed's been very passionate about, you know, the bringing on of another manufacturer and all of these things and, you know, tweeting about the process and there will be a process and this process is a $200 million bid and then tweets about F1 not being worth $20 billion. So is he, are we trying to, is, do we feel like his statements about the valuation of F1 could all be then tied back to, well, he's reinforcing that the bid into F1 or joining F1 is currently capped or is seen at $200 million. So in order for that pitch of we're going to have more teams be able to join, this is the bid, this is the process, then there is no way that F1 can be worth $20 billion. So he needs to say it's this is an overinflated price because we're going to have teams come in for $200 million. I'm sure it's all connected. And there are. I'm also sure there are so many conversations happening behind the scenes about this that we're not seeing. I will throw in there as an added note to everything you just said, because I thought it was it was a perfect line of thinking there, that the FIA makes flat fees based on entries. So the FIA's revenue will go up if there are more drivers and more teams on the grid. So we're dealing with an organization that's like, more is more to me. And everyone else is talking about less is more than me, more to me. So it all comes back to money. The answer to all the questions here is money. And if you follow the money, that is the answer. And not to say that, I mean, again, 2026, we don't know that the Audi way works. But right now, it just seems like a lot more of a smoother entrance into the sport than Andretti's is. It all just screams, get these people in a room with no distractions, though. Because I think if Andretti and whoever's in charge of it with GM sat in a room with all the teams and Liberty Media, and even if the FIA was there, and they all just talked about it. <laughs> and and we again, we don't know the conversations going on behind the scenes. So this could be happening, and I could be really wrong. But the teams clearly want more information that they're not getting. So if you are an Andretti fan or a GM fan and you are hoping they come into the sport, if I was you, I would be yelling at them to go talk to the teams. Because really what Horner's comments here are, I just need to know how you're going to improve this. Tell me what you're going to do, which screams to me like they haven't been told a clear plan. So who is not passing that plan along? Mm, Close enough. All right, today's been a big week of Google Translate Corners. We got at least three articles that all came out the same day. I believe it was Monday-ish. All interviews with the new team principal of Ferrari. It was a very coordinated PR effort of, hello, meet the new Ferrari team principal. Um, And I, I read them all via Google Translate, hence the name of this segment. Um... And I mean, there was nothing revolutionary. He was just talking about how like the team has everything they need and they're going to do everything they can to win. And I thought that he handled whoever 
he's been in motorsport for so long. He's also been a team principal before. So he knows how to work the press and give the right quotes that can create headlines for people, but also things that aren't inflammatory and would be bad back at the factory. But I don't know. Did you learn or gain anything from the push of Ferrari PR? No, it definitely, it it had Ferrari sprinkle PR all over it. I think he did a great job, but also what do you, people really expect him to say to right now? You know, I think we make a lot of jokes about, you know, according to Ferrari, Ferrari's going to be really fast. He did a good job of saying we've made improvements, but, you know, some of the rumors that you heard are not true. So I was like, okay, like, good on you to like get ahead of that and acknowledge that. I think he also handled, I was very curious about, and I knew it wouldn't be long, a media outlet asking him specifically about Charles and, you know, given their long relationship and the question of, you know, him being a number one driver number, but and again, handled in a very great Ferrari way of they're both held the same. If we feel like one is able to win, then that's how we'll prioritize that. And also shutting down the, we are not here to talk about my relationship with Charles. We're here to talk about Ferrari and our future and, you know, what we think of making changes for. So again, nothing that was a surprise. It just very felt, it felt a lot like Ferrari PR. We didn't get anything from it at all. Nothing inflammatory for sure. Yeah. Um, For added context there, because I know I said multiple publications, it was the BBC AMUS, which is the German uh, publication that covers F1, and I'm going to really try, but it's L'Equipe, which is the French publication that covers F1, and please, I took no French, I took Spanish, please don't make fun of me. Um, But yeah, I, I will come in here with my bias in that teammate battle, and I think closer to the season we'll probably do a whole episode of like which course we're back in on each team but I mean my bias is that I support Carlos but I thought it was very interesting that Ferrari continued to say what they've always said which is the priority is Ferrari Ferrari wants to win the constructors they will do whatever they can to win the constructors if one of their drivers wins the drivers as a result of that I think they'll be very happy but it doesn't seem to be a priority and I don't think they communicated that well last year I don't know if this shows that they're going to communicate that better, but if I was them, I think the mistake Ferrari always makes in PR is not just being upfront about it because it seems behind the scenes, they're very upfront with their drivers. Like Carlos and Charles don't seem like upset with the lack of backing. Like Charles hasn't really come out ever and been like, no, 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 they need to back me. I need to be the number one driver. Treat me like Max. And I think if he was as disgruntled as some people like to claim, he would say that more. So everyone in Ferrari knows it's about Ferrari. It is definitely the only team in F1 that feels to be that way. Um, But that's how they operate. Um, I also thought it was interesting. Things I didn't know, Vassar added a lot of context actually to his relationship with Charles and with Carlos. Because apparently he was one of the key people who recruited Carlos to Renault and then tried to recruit him to Alfa Romeo when he chose to go to McLaren instead. So clearly he's coming in as team principal with a relationship with both drivers, even though the 
like the most obvious relationship was that he has been Charles's team principal before. But he clearly has a relationship with both of them. And I think that's important to know. And what I would say to all the Charles fans in the world, if he's the number one driver, go beat Carlos on track. Make it so undeniable that you are the number one driver that this isn't even a conversation. If this is a conversation, it means that Charles is not beating Carlos enough on track. But again, I'm a Carlos fan. This is my bias. None of us want more teams to behave the way that Red Bull does. It's no fun to have a number one driver and a driver we all know is there to lose. It's one of the best parts of F1 is that the teammates get to fight and they get to fight it out on track. And sometimes it goes a little too far. That That's part of the allure of all of this. So like, no, don't name a number one driver. And just one of them kick the crap out of the other one. <laughs> that's kind of how I feel about it. That was a long rant. <laughs> Anything I say there you want to add on to, no, Nicole? Apologies. No, I think every week we'll, it'll also be a, how is Ferrari reinforcing the Ferrari brand and being Ferrari? And it seems like there is some type of, you know, public, not brainwashing, but Carlos and Charles not having, you know, being really good about not addressing the like battle of drivers and everything. I agree with you that I think, you know, Charles, they do a very good job in the media with Ferrari, with Drive to Survive, with every way possible to sh frame Charles as the beautiful token Ferrari boy. But he's not necessarily beating Carlos, like to your point. So, you know, if he is who he says he is or believes he's the driver that he believes he is, then I don't know perform it act like it you're right it wouldn't be a conversation and then i guess you know some people will point to well you know they they have communication issues and i'm like yeah but having three less people in a communication line in the pit wall of having three less people making a decision that's not preventing you from winning the constructor's championship like there's obviously a lot of other things going on there is it playing a role? Yeah, for sure. Strategy is huge. And we all, you know, the big joke last year is does Ferrari have a strategy? We don't. Right. And communication is obviously a huge problem in that. But that's not suddenly going to be the one fix of here's your Constructors Championship. Alfa Romeo has a new sponsor. And in F1 tradition, they're kind of sketchy because F1 loves a sketchy sponsor. <laughs> so this is a crypto gambling live streaming sponsor is how I would describe their business model. They are associated with Drake. They, we are now back in the era of tobacco sponsors where teams need different team names depending on the location we're racing in because sometimes they're going to be Alfa Romeo Steak. Sometimes they're going to be Alfa Romeo Kicks and sometimes they're just going to be Alfa Romeo. They have said that this is a record-breaking multi-year deal over under this lasting 365 days. I mean, my my immediate response is that it's got to be less. But I'm also very much falling on the place of crypto bubble. It's going to pop. We're going to see all of the any crypto-related sponsor partner is just going to like fall away. Uh, in F1, in sports overall. 
it was just a very confusing announcement because it was again one of those like we have big news and then it was like this our new title sponsor steak and i was like who then i you know click on it i see drake and i'm like is drake investing in alfa romeo and uh turns out drake is again big gambling gives a lot of money in steak so but again i don't understand the connection here and whatever kick is so i pulled the list because you said it of crypto sponsors that have sponsorships that have already failed in f1 like for turo coin and red bulls like ended in 2019 um iq o n i q and williams mclaren and sauber ended in 2020 i'm sure there's a way to say that but mm. um bitsy and mclaren ended in 21 ftx is bankrupt but somehow still signing deals with people um and mercedes ended last year and then there's some stuff up in the air with tezos and red bull i think they're still a partner but like we're not 100 percent sure and then ferrari and velas are going into litigation which was their crypto sponsor so almost every team on the grid has had a crypto sponsorship that has fallen through this is not even mentioning the whole thing with rocket and williams that went into litigation like a while ago so i i just see a crypto sponsorship now and even if they say multi-year partnership i just go no way that's a that's a one year and out deal and then something just to keep an eye out on because again this is also again more speculation because that's what we're in the season of and since we've only been given haas's livery launch there was some discussion about you know, it looked like a lot of partners have been removed from the car. And I can't remember off the top of my head, one of the new logos appearing on the Haas's livery was another crypto brand that I had never heard of. Um, not Palm Angels, that was a clothing brand. It was another one of the smaller ones on the side. So maybe Haas is also then, so then there's a, another crypto partner coming in. Again, I also don't think it's going to last long. I think it'll be <laughs> a short-lived stake in Alfa Romeo steak. <laughs> I'll be here every Thursday. Yeah, Haas lost a lot of sponsors because there was a decent amount that were there because of Mick. So like the Under Armour sponsorship is gone and the one and one was it which is a German brand is gone. So yeah, the I, I have to admit that the Haas livery, what I didn't mention when we were talking about it before, it did look a little sparse logo wise, which Makes for a great livery, but not a great financial situation for a team. Welcome to the Yellow Sector Notes, not the fastest walk around F1, but we will complete a full lap around the paddock hitting every F1 garage. Helmut Marco gave pointed quotes on the FIA's ban on drivers making political statements, saying, quote, this decision is clearly wrong. Ask anyone, Ferrari is back, because it's that time of the year. Mercedes surprisingly did not burn the W13 per all fans' recommendations. George and Lewis drove it this week for a Pirelli tire test. Pierre was in Miami visiting Hard Rock Stadium, home of the Miami Grand Prix. He worked out in the Dolphins gym and lost a foot race to Dolphins wide receiver Tyree Kill. McLaren is borrowing the Mercedes reserve drivers again this season, so we saw a photo of a Schumacher in a McLaren this week. It was weird. Valtteri, while driving in the race of champions, was asked about the new FIA ban, and he gave very pointed quotes aligning himself against it. Lance attended a Montreal Canadiens hockey game this week, and Aston Martin shared seat fits for both of their drivers. Haas launched their car livery. Mercedes also shared a photo of Mick's seat fit that same day. Nick and his personal trainer were on the AlphaTauri podcast this week, 
This is a formal plea for every team on the grid to start a podcast. Williams leaked their own new sponsorship deal with Golf by making a partner page public on their website. If you missed it, check out the Wayback Machine. That is the grid walk for February 2nd, 2023 completed. How was my sector time today, Nicole? You were faster than Anakin in a pod racer. We want to give a huge thank you to voiceover man, Pam from Spotify, and our four-legged executive producers. Make sure you turn on auto downloads and rate and review the pod. Make sure to follow us on every single social media platform. Be our friend, follow us at Gridwalk Show, and we will be back every Thursday. But man, today felt like a grid jog, not a grid walk. Yeah, serious conversations, definitely.